Coming up on another mini episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, we've got a four-person podcast reviewing, as usual, the game from last night, Central Coast Mariners and Wellington Phoenix drawing, and some other talking points from the week and looking ahead to the rest of the weekend. You know the deal if you listen to this podcast regularly. And yeah, that's it from me. I'm your host, Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to another mini episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. We are back after a two-week hiatus, and we've got the dream team on tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm joined by Antonis Pagonis, Matt Olsen, and Cody Ajada. We've got four people on the mini pod. Uh, I can't remember the last time that happened, but um, yeah, kudos to to you three for coming on. Of course, we are reviewing uh, and talking about what we just witnessed between the Central Coast Mariners and Wellington Phoenix, a one-all draw. Some uh, some interesting refereeing, a couple of red cards for the Mariners, Wellington, Oscar Zawada getting a late equalizer, all happening, all happening. Usual usual A-League football, really, uh, if you watch it every week. If you don't, then you're probably thinking, you know, what, what on earth is going on? But uh, let's let's introduce our, our panel, I guess, for tonight. Uh, Antonis, um, welcome back to, I mean, look. Obviously, you're on the you're on our MPL preview podcast, but uh, you've been you've been uh, on holiday, so you're you're now officially back, hopefully uh, on a more regular basis. So, Antonis, welcome. Good to be back on the minis. I hope with four people, it does remain a mini because there are many talking points, not just from the game. Forty minutes max. Forty minutes max. I promise. Okay, uh, Matt Olson, how are you on this lovely uh, Friday evening? Yeah, a chaotic game tonight. Um, well, it turned chaotic. Um, I thought the Mariners were actually in control for a little while. Um, the TLDR to your question is, look, I've had a busy day football-wise, haven't I? So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll, mm. get, we'll get into it. Absolutely. Of course, Matt being our WA contributor, press conference today, uh, which he was at, um, of course, in the wake of uh, of, the, uh, of the allegations this week against, uh, against Ruben Zakovic. So, yeah, we'll talk to that. Uh, a little bit, a little bit later. Cody Ajada also joins us uh, tonight, um, and I should actually clear, clarify what I said before. It's actually not a lovely Friday evening where I am. It's stinking hot. Um, so, yeah, uh, SA heat waves. It's uh, it's fantastic. But Cody, um, yeah, maybe uh, you know, give us your initial thoughts on on what uh, what you saw from the game, and um, yeah, welcome to the uh, welcome back to the mini. Um, thank you. I think one of the last the last episode I was on I actually hosted. So nice to be on the panel this time. I don't have the pressure of not just hosting, but um, editing too. So that is fantastic. Yeah, look, crazy game. Um, uh, it sucks that we're going to be talking about refereeing decisions again because I absolutely hate it. I hate that that's kind of the talking point in the league, um, whether we're too quick to give red cards away, stuff like that. But look, crazy game, end-to-end. Um, one point I want to make that I don't know if we're going to spend a lot of time talking, Christian Theoharis. He should be walking into Western United's lineup right now. So the fact that they let him go is quite crazy. Yeah, yeah, I love the Christian Tiaharis cameos um, off the bench. Who knows? Maybe he could uh, he could start for the Mariners uh, soon as well. But yeah, let's get into the I guess the nitty gritty of the game. Um, look, it, it's there. We have to talk about it. The refereeing, um, which is a shame because as Cody said, I thought the particularly the last like 
15, 20 minutes of the first half, I guess the second half of the first half was was a really fascinating football game. I thought both teams were starting to go at it a bit more. Wellington were very subdued at the start um, and I was very surprised by their approach. But then, yeah, they grew into it. And I thought there was just really good, just really good football from both teams, really attacking game, open, as the Mariners usually like it. Um, and then, yeah, basically... Yeah, Brian <laughs> Brian Caltech, sorry, uh, gets sent off. And um, it's one of those ones, in my opinion, where it's kind of, I know this is a, this is a weird term to use, but like an orange card, you know? It's like in between maybe yellow and a red because, look, he's he's high and he is above, you know, he is above the ankle, um, yet he does win the ball. So there is there is, there is is that kind of side to it as well. But um, I'll, I'll leave it to you guys who wants to chime in here because um, it's, it is a... Uh, it's a it's a controversial call. I have no problem with it, in all honesty. Look, it's one of those ones another ref probably isn't going to give it. They're probably going to go with the yellow. He's gone over the top of the ball. I guess you can kind of say his foot's ricocheted and he hasn't gone over the top himself. But look, he's high. It's, it's in a way, it is, it is dangerous. It sucks because he's had a good game and he's probably been on the, you could say the wrong end. I don't know if that's the wrong end is actually the right term for it. But the his worst first, Sorry, end. his first 20 minutes tonight was... Like absolutely faultless. I just have to say, hundred um, percent. Oh, yeah. Pavada didn't do anything. Like he was just absolutely flawless. Uh, Caltech at the start of that game. Oh, one hundred percent. Um, but I'm talking more as well throughout the season. Like he's got three red cards this season, and I guess all three of them you can kind of say maybe another ref wouldn't give it. Some have been dubious. So very very unlucky season he's having, and it's kind of following through tonight. I guess in a way, which look like you said, he's had he had a great start to the game. It, it sucks for him. I do feel for him, but I don't know if I'd argue it. Just on that, because I was talking to uh, Nick Montgomery after the Perth game, and um, and Monty was was just talking about how Brian's Brian's you know unlucky at least in 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 Nick's terms. I think I would use a different word for it, but his his discipline problems are becoming a huge liability for the Mariners. Um, if any of you stayed up to watch that that Perth and Mariners game. Both of Perth's goals were a direct consequence of something Brian did on the field. Um, he gave away the dangerous free kick um, in, in the area that Perth scored from. He also um, gave gave away a handball in, in the box. And look, it, it wasn't a red card what was given tonight, but he has to be aware. And come, coming from the background that he does, and and coming from you know a, an area where he's had to essentially work his way up. From 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 the bottom up to the up to the A League in a footballing sense, I think poor discipline is always going to really be a part of that because of the professional conduct is not something that you've ever grown up with. It's not something that you've played with um, before, and I think Monty is very understanding of that. Um, but but his his words on it, I just don't know that that I necessarily agreed with last week. And it just so happens that yeah, a third red card, as Cody says, um, I mean that's a huge cause for concern in any team, right? So when you've got mm. you've got you've got Brian getting these red cards you've now got uh, nectar triantis out with the under 20s asian cup which i feel like we maybe um, should be talking a little bit more in, in terms of how that's going to affect players being out of squads and development and everything else um you know there's about to be a very serious problem in in the center back position for the mariners and uh, this it was only really made worse um obviously by some some poor refereeing so there's that element of it as well where it can just totally tarnish a team's ability on, on, on its day as well yeah, look, it's it's possible that, you know, to Cody's point, that if you look at the individual instances where Caltech has been sent off, maybe they're, you know, harsh. But I do think he is a rash player. 
you know, he does he does go in um, with aggression. He does like to slide around a little bit, and you're always going to run the risk of of something you know like this happening uh, and with red cards. But to to that point, you know, and one thing that I was just thinking about, like you know, we always talk about tackles like this with Caltech, you know, and you'll hear commentators say, you know, maybe Simon Hill said I didn't I didn't pick up on it in the in commentary, but you know that players run the risk when they when they go in like that. But if if it's always going to be a red card when you go in like that, well then there's no risk, right? It's just it's just a red card, simple as. So you know the thing is, is it is it really a case of risk reward? Reward being that you win the ball and you get away with it, or is it just there's no risk? And I think that's where you know VAR referees and stuff there needs to be a little bit more maybe clarity around around tackles like that. But I do understand that there are you know instances like I mentioned from the top where they're kind of you know those in between yellow red kind of tackles and it is hard to, to differentiate Antonis you wanted to um I guess I guess add your your thoughts on it yeah and like you said VAR is not here to overturn those orange cards as you mentioned they're there for clear and obvious errors and as we said one referee may give it one may not if it's anything like that it's, they're going to stick with the referee's decision so again it's something I think Brian has grown up being the more physical, the more skillful player, and he's been able to, I guess, risk a bit more. And if he makes a mistake, he can make up for it, which, again, when you make it to the professional level, it may not always be the case. But again, it's something that he'll adapt to. He's a good player. He's a good guy. And, you know, there's a reason why the Mariners signed him up to a contract. Um, they've been very good with their recruiting. They know what they've got in their hands. And we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I agree. They're going to struggle, I reckon, in the next week against the Wanderers with what remains of their side and especially their centre-back stocks. Well, that, that's the thing is that obviously Tarantis, as Matt mentioned, is away on the international duty. Caltech is now going to be suspended. Jacob Farrell filled in as a centre-back tonight. I thought, he, I thought he was okay there, to be honest. But the other thing is Montgomery, to me, looking from the outside looking in, I think he's lost a little bit of faith in Dan Hall as well. Um, and it was on that, uh, it was on the all access uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the Jason Cummings episode where he got an insight into, into, um, Montgomery and he was kind of at halftime, he was kind of berating Dan Hall and stuff. And I think, um, I remember the next week after off the top of my head, um, he was subbed at halftime or, or something like that. But anyway, it just seems like he's, he's lost a little bit of faith there. So yeah, they're kind of, they're kind of crying out for someone to, to come in and, and, you know, fill that void. Um, but you know, uh, I guess what you're saying, Antonis, is true where, you know, he, he might adapt, but he's probably going to have to adapt a little bit, you know, sooner rather than later because they do need, they do need uh, their centre-backs um, available. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the game because um, Cody mentioned, I thought, you know, for the Mariners' point of view, it was a pretty good, pretty good performance on the whole, really considering um, because, um, and we'll talk about, I guess, at the end really briefly as well what happened. But, I mean, up until that point, towards the end anyway wellington you know they had the numerical advantage and obviously they had more of the ball as a result but really the mariners for me looked more likely to make it 2-0 um and it was probably you know it's a wider scores but really i think wellington kind of got away with it to be honest i don't think they really were that worthy of 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 an equalizer and, and getting something out of it um i thought from a mariners point of view look that they're all kind of firing tonight i thought silvera was superb um, you know, and obviously we mentioned Thea Harris, Cummings was good. Um, Nisbet was superb. A little bit surprised that, you know, Nisbet in particular came off that early. 
Um, I have to say, particularly when you've got ten men, I think with his energy, you know, he can he can he can do something in the midfield and um and you know help solidify solidify it. But um, yeah, I mean, then we get then we get to the end, and Maresh um does probably yeah one of the stupidest things I've seen <laughs> this season from from an Alec player. I mean, I, I have no idea what he's doing. Um, you know, and just just it's right in front of the referee. It's it's an obvious red. Um, and then there's chaos with the bench. But um, how did you guys, I guess? overall see the game because i think yeah probably could have easily been a mariners 2-0 win uh even even though there were the red cards and stuff like that they actually had more shots in the end as well um still and and wellington for me get away with it honestly i felt like the game was kind of going to a slow lull towards the end up until wellington scored i mean you had mariners at one stage we're just trying to keep the ball in the corner with still was like eight minutes to go wasn't it um mm. so it just felt like it was going to slowly fade out mariners going to hold on for a one nil win and then, yeah, Wellington's goal just kind of stuck a little bit more. Suddenly, chances are going again. Uh, Mariners got frustrated, obviously. They were still kind of reeling about Caltech's red card. Things just kind of centered from there. But, um, yeah, like that second half, it, it just felt like the game was going to slowly fade out until, yeah, out of nowhere, like it was almost a nothing goal. Um, Zawada just got a bit of a bounce. It was a very innovative finish. It was clever movement. Like it. I, I, it was clever movement from Zawada. It was clever movement, but yeah. um, like it, it sort of came from nothing still. Mm. No, I agree. And, you know, to be honest, like that was the other thing about Wellington. It was just bizarre how easy it was for the Mariners in transition when they've got like 10, nine players, uh, nine, you know, right towards the end. It was even like with nine men. I think Silvera had one last chance there where he's breaking away. Um, and their lack of kind of cover behind the ball was kind of shocking, uh, in my opinion. But, um, <clears throat> You know they they get they get the result um away from home and, and they'll take it. But um I guess Antonis or Matt, you guys can chime in chime in here. Like the the individuals from from a Mariners perspective who who kind of impressed you tonight because I think I mean we we talk, we've spoken about them a lot. But I mean when you watch them in in free flow like that, and even with ten men, they're still creating opportunities and this that and the other. Um you know these guys at their best are very a very strong team in my opinion. It's always what we talk about with the Mariners and their and their assets. Um, you know, they they can always control the game attackingly, and and tonight was no different. Um, but you know, I, I just it's crazy to me because when you when you see this type of game, right, um, where you know one team has been in control and the results been nipped away, you still there's always there always will come a time for maybe sort of 10, 15 minutes, particularly as the game sort of battles on to its later stages. Well, you actually always will see that team that's down really pick themselves up, and um, and you know they'll they'll put the initiative in to try and get that point back. What really baffles me is sure, okay, the Mariners were, had some awful disciplinary problems. We we already spoke about it. Mm-hmm. Um, for Maresh to be out of the team for so long to come back in to do that just pathetic. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, it's crazy to me because I don't think the discipline was what actually lost the three points for the Mariners as much as it was. Something, something just didn't go their way at, at the at the right time or the wrong time, and and you know what what is crazy is that I just don't think that the Phoenix themselves had a grip on the game at all. Like they totally lucked out with that in every respect. Yeah. And again, I don't even think the discipline is related to that. So in, in that respect, you know, from all angles, it was a very very weird game. Let alone what what sort of came out, you know, in in the aftermath of it all. But to to, to your point and to your question, Christian, look. The Mariners will always, you know, I think sort of since the the Stagichera and since their revival as a football club, they will always pride themselves on having this incredible, um, you know, exuberant uh, attacking threat. And that'll never change. Um, 
but obviously with with some of those absences this is the real test of their medal right and this is equally as important because if you recall uh mid-season review i've pretty much said that if anyone is going to sort of be a be a good finals team on their day the Mariners are probably one of those teams where they can where they can kind of nip it and and be that that force to sort of win the league from second or third. That is still extremely true of them. But if they're going to have, I mean, it's what it's round seventeen, isn't it? If they're going to have some of these woes going on, where there's there's players out and there's inconsistencies going on, and Montgomery has a bit of an edge to him now, where you know maybe some of the players are getting getting a bit worried. Um, not, I'm not alluding to to conduct as much as I am just sort of his his ability to control the situation, right? And I think with all of these external factors going on, it kind of suggests to me that the Mariners are about to lose their way a bit and you have to question at this point in the season how crucial that is. So, yeah, I mean, their attacking threats will always be a threat, but tonight was the first sign of like, okay, uh, maybe this team aren't aren't always what you want them to be. And even last week, I mean, requiring two penalties to get a point out of that game required a lot of luck. The luck went the other way tonight, but... Um, yeah, the, the the main takeaway for me is just where exactly is that team going and a few worrying signs ahead. I mean, you could say that, but, and this was just my last point to conclude, but I mean, on another day, they maybe take some of those chances and, and they could easily win that game. Like I said, you know, 2-0, 3-1, something like that. Um, and, and if Maresh doesn't do, doesn't do the stupid thing that he did. Um, I thought Vukovic in the, in the on-pitch interview at full time was a little bit too scathing maybe of his teammates like i understood you know he, he's the veteran guy he's trying to set the standard and stuff so i understand why he's saying those things um but you know the mariners are still in a very good position and like i said they could have easily won that game tonight. i also add that i thought um callan elliott was a big loss for wellington uh tonight as well because he was suspended um and i think tim payne just doesn't offer that same uh obviously attacking uh, impetus down the right side and you take him out of that central defensive position where he's been so good for them as well all right let's uh let's move on because um i know matt you are very keen to um to talk a little bit about um you know the the events that have unfolded over the last uh i guess 24 hours um you know so at the time we're recording this podcast um with with Zakovic and, and perth glory and um the supposed situation that occurred um with with him and and Giordano Colley that's what's been been reported anyway um that he allegedly um you know it was reported punched uh Gio Colley in a five-side game um at training um and it's been a bit of a controversy in in the A-League and, and we can kind of talk to this with a with an eye on on Brisbane and Perth um who take each other on on uh on Sunday in Nick Green's first game as interim coach as well for Brisbane so it's a it's a really interesting game actually this because um you know Brisbane are trying to I guess resurrect their season and make finals and Perth are now you know uh have this cloud over them although I'll let you take over and a little bit and, and discuss kind of your your views on the situation and what what is the situation really? Because I think a lot of people, there's a lot of reports and this, that, and the other, but how serious is this? Perth released a statement yesterday as well, which kind of played it down a lot. Um, and the feeling, definitely talking to you off air, and and I guess also in the public sphere is that, you know, maybe Perth, apply, uh, you know, Zakovic has played this down as well, and maybe this isn't as serious as as uh, what it was first reported. So, Matt, take it away and kind of just uh, give give a bit of a spiel to the listeners about uh, about what's going on. Look, the first thing I, I want to to do is is maybe just acknowledge that the authorities, two very important authorities, both the APL and the PFA, particularly the PFA as a union, have not reacted um, with major levels of concern. 
um, sort of in lieu of, of what they've done with their investigation. So straight off the bat, I'm I'm honestly I'm inclined to say that you know maybe we got it wrong and maybe there was a bit of a knee jerk reaction going on, but um, this is where things get a little bit complicated because yeah it, it's clear to me that there is an ongoing situation that I think certain individuals at the club certain individuals who you know they might speak up in due course I I don't know but I feel like there probably is an underlying issue that we we might need to talk about further okay i i can't have that conversation yet um not because i'm bounded down by anything at the end of the day i'm just a, an independent reporter who doesn't get paid for it so I, hypothetically i could say whatever whatever i wanted to uh, <laughs> like i'm a christian I'm, I'm just i'm just being real like if we if we wanted to get the big scoop out we would but my my trepidation in in that respect is really just due to the fact that there was a whole lot of nothing that went on here um, and and for people to just sort of talk about this this really big story, um, you know, from the vibes I had today, being at training, I think that the, the set incident that occurred was probably exaggerated in some way. But the over the overlying issue here is that I I don't think that means that everything is is squeaky clean. Um, mm. But that's that's all I I necessarily would want to say on it, just on you know, on sort of a black and white baseline level. What I will say is this, right? When I spoke to Ruben Zadkovich on Saturday after the game, I spoke to him about, uh, you know, the road trip and, and and going forward for what it would mean to, you know, you've had all these big games at Macedonia Park, but you're also winless in four now. It's a bit, a bit of a, a tough situation to be in. And the man that was st- sitting there uh, discussing that with me, he was confident. He was happy. He was in a team environment that he appeared to be really at one with. And you can't really sort of blame the guy because his rebuild is actually going very, very well. Perth Glory is still kind of standing a chance for the six, which no one would have thought possible in the preseason. That's that's the on-pitch stuff, right? The the off-pitch, I can't help but, but, but be a little sus that there definitely is something going on because Ruben, you know, just when he was talking, he he, he made some, just the, the conduct and the way that he was talking, he, he made a few kind of silly errors that I caught up on here and there. And I think he still, he dealt with the situation as best as anyone could. At the end of the day, you, you're being alleged, uh, you know, for a physical assault, right? Like it's it's a really, really serious level level thing. And he, he conducted himself perfectly. He did what anyone in that situation would need to do. But there was just a few small things that maybe... I don't want to say there were red flags, but like I think that that at the end of the day, that there definitely is something going on, and we could speak to that. Here's here's what what I really want to to ring home to anyone though, that the situation definitely was overblown, and that's the the black and white of the situation. And the overall vibe today was so unspectacularly like insignificant. Like you know, I, I spoke to some players, and it's just like okay, it, it is what it is. We're we're here to train. We've got you know an important game coming up against the side where we know that we're superior with, and, and all these kinds of things. To the point where it's just like, why why are we even here? You know what I mean? So there was a lot of of, of contrasting emotions, but the overall overwhelming emotion is just like the the bare standard. Like you know whatever. Let's just, just let's just move on and get get on with it. So I think for people uh, reacting massively to this, for the for the future comments that people are going to make about, oh, well, remember that time Ruben Zakovic assaulted someone likewise, and especially if he if he succeeds on the pitch and those kinds of comments come out, I think fair enough because of what's been alleged. But also, like you, you don't know what you're talking about, so I'd hate for that to be leveled at him 
but this is not sunshine and rainbows. This is a serious situation and, and there might be a bit of an underlying issue going on. So fair play to all the sources that are out there, fair play to the people that are working hard. But as far as today is concerned, I think we can we can move on from this situation comfortably enough with an eye to problems being um sort of you know brought up in the future. And one one more thing just on that. I I have sort of asked um Ruben about you know, and, and uh, you, you can sort of see this on the footage. I've, I've alluded to the fact that we've had this one incident with Williams and Beavers from a sort of an independent source, a social media source. We've now had some pretty serious big hitters in the media world come out with this second allegation. There's two allegations there from really varying sources. What else can be done to ensure that this is kind of stopped if, in his own words, someone is out to get him or someone is out to get the club, which I think is a ridiculous notion. But Ruben's answer essentially was that we can't stop external factors. So if those external factors can't be stopped, I don't think things are going to be getting easier for, for Ruben Zakovic and for, and for Perth Glory in that respect. So maybe there's more to come. And if there is more to come, just be very wary, but also understand that today there is no very serious major cause for concern. Okay. Um, Cody and Antonis, what's your, I guess, your thoughts on it? And then I'll, I'll, I'll give my, um, I'll give my thoughts based on based on some stuff actually that that Matt shared today from from um, from the press conference. Yeah, um, when you hear, I think when the news came out, it was coach allegedly punches player, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, what's happening here?" I think when the context came out as well, when oh he was in the training session, he was in the fiver side. We know Ruben as a player, you know, he was a feisty player, mm-hmm. and you can obviously, as Matt said, he's turned the club around. The players obviously are buying what he's selling. We know he's no angel. But again, you know, things that happen in training, you have to take, I guess, with a pinch of salt. Because if that was midfielder X against Collie, it doesn't get reported if cameras aren't there, you know? But when you've got like the boss-employee dynamic, I guess it changes it. And I guess that's the issue with having... Unless it's a punch, obviously. Unless it's a punch, that's completely different. Yeah. Even you see, like, and I know I'm going to change the subject completely, but you see this happen in footy when you have, when players have arguments all the time and they're Mm -hmm. televised just because cameras are there in those training sessions and they're just not in the A-League as commonly used. So, you know, as Matt said, it's not the first allegation, but... Sorry, Antonis, can I, can I just butt in? Because yeah, yeah. this is something that I probably should be bringing up. Mm-hmm. Look, I understand that I'm filibustering a bit and I'm, I'm doing oh. my thing where I use a lot of complex words. I'm not getting to the substance of it. So I'll just... I'll just filibustering, filibustering being a complex word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um, but here's the thing. So there was drain footage. This is what Ruben has said. Dr- there was drain... Dr- drone? Drain. Drone footage of the... <laughs> of the um of the training session and they've actually turned that drone off because the fiver side was just like a fun irrelevant thing that was happening on the side okay mm-hmm. maybe fun is the wrong word to use but the point is it was just like a warm down thing or it was something that it wasn't an actual out and out training session it's not the kind of thing that would be intense and that's maybe where some red flags come out and that's why i kind mm-hmm. of say that there's some some trepidation there with what else might be going on because that for me is a sign that things weren't weren't going going great um and the actual incident itself was not recorded but there has there was recording sessions going on just a few minutes earlier so i thought i would just bring that up fair enough well yeah like you said we don't know what's obviously happened exactly yeah. but like you said there's two incidents now even if ruben is not totally an angel i reckon that's enough of a warning shot now to kind of get in that way but 
I, you still have to say, as you said, starting the season, no one believed they'd be in the conversation for the six. Even starting, they didn't look great, but he's turned it around. The players are obviously buying what he's selling, but yeah, time will tell. But as you said, like when you hire Ruben Zakovic as your coach, you know who you're hiring. Yeah, I think um, that if it was if it was a punch, I think that the PFA would have said something by now, like in an official statement. So that's why I tend to agree with what Matt's saying. You know, they are usually very quick to these sorts of things, and they're usually very outspoken and they're not a, they don't hold back when they when they make statements about these things either uh from from what i've noticed in the past um so if there was anything more than a simple yeah. push or a tumble the pfa would have been, would be saying something we know yeah i got full respect for the pfa mind you but anything that is slightly against a footballer as the pfa should they will come out and be on the front foot with it as well like we would have seen a statement from them long before perth glory yeah. long before any media person was talking about it either so the fact that they haven't probably says more about the issue than any words that have actually come out since. I think silence is the most definite thing here. Is it actually quite worrying that people are trying to guess the person and not actually going, um, oh shit, like a player's actually been punched in a training session? Oh, that's <laughs> no, just good old-fashioned culture. We treat everything like no, a no, I'm not. No, no, no. Yes, obviously, exactly. obviously, obviously, you know, that would be treating it as it's happened and 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 we don't know what's happened uh if, if anything has at all right um but i'm just saying like that was it's kind of bizarre from that point of view um and maybe that's just soccer twitter and stuff that people don't actually look into the the human element of of whatever's being kind of um said but um yeah i'll just add and matt this was the, the comments that you reported about um what ruben said about his relationship with geo collie i thought it's a little bit and like obviously he's I guess he's trying to explain, you know, he was trying to show that, you know, there's no how could there really be any issues if, you know, he was my youth team captain and this sort of thing. But it also to an, to a separate kind of extent, he went very detailed and very deep into his relationship with Joe Colley and stuff. Um, almost trying to make sure people knew there were no there were no issues and stuff like that, which which he understood, but at the same time, did it feel like maybe he was overcompensating? I don't know. Just I'm just I'm literally just kind of um, you know, speculating uh and stuff. Um and, and Matt, you know more. Um, but yeah, that was just something that that kind of came to mind. But is there anything you want to add? Because then we'll uh, we'll move on and we'll have a look at these other games. Yeah, look, I think if you're if you're mentioning that he had a meal at your house on the other side of the country during a pandemic, um very bizarre, isn't it? Like it's almost like too too much, too much. That, that's kind of so, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, one hundred percent. Um, but yeah, look, I, I just you know to to really ring home. I think you can still go about go about covering Perth Glory as a football club and still sort of respect Ruben and where he's coming from. But obviously, you know, it's it's the exact same. And it's it's how Western Sydney people probably feel about Rudan as a bit of a, a hothead is probably how. You know, uh, historically, a lot of a coaches bit. like Robbie Fowler when he was at Brisbane, you know, you, you you respect these people for who they are. You just sort of understand that there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of crap that they get given, some rightly, some wrongly. They're they're very contentious, contentious figures. And then contentious figures will will ultimately be there to make our game hopefully a, a bit a bit better. Um, but the the one thing that I just want to mention there, because you've actually really rolled up something that I'm I'm getting passionate about here. Look, I understand that my my background in the game is that I was someone who used to spam the shit out of social media uh, sites and and forums where where you would talk about the game and and a lot of people a lot of people treated me like shit because I was just some fucking teenage kid going on and on and on when no one cared. Fair enough. No, honestly, honestly, fair enough. But let me say this: I am sick and tired 
of literally every single aspect of our game being treated like a joke. And dare I say, upward of 70 odd percent of the actual fandom are people who just want to make memes about it all day and just treat it like it's mm. a joke. At the end of the day, this was an alleged assault. And the mm. fact that the fandom and the community reacted mostly to laugh about it, even even but this, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying before about what Cody's saying around like people guessing who it was and stuff like that. It's just kind of like, you know, this is serious if if it's happened, you know. Exactly. I think we have to remember as well, like these codes, uh, especially these days, these coaches are like more accessible than ever. We've got the all access episodes where we get their, you know, the episodes about player X, but the episode becomes about their coach who's just losing their mind on the sideline, you know? So it's been, they're more accessible than ever. So I think it's only natural you get more of that with the internet being more accessible than ever. I get what you're saying, that it is a serious issue. But again, as Ruben said, you can't really control what happens externally. You just have to control, make sure your backyard, I guess, is clean and ensure that you're set up to deal with anything like that, which I think they have done. So, Yeah, okay. Um, Matt, what's uh, just just really quickly, what's um, your thoughts on the game, I guess, because we'll touch on that, um, Perth going to, uh, going to Brisbane, because obviously there's, there's, there's changes there as well um in brisbane uh this week too so what's any just a score prediction maybe um look warren moon probably one of my favorite people in the game ever and nick green respectfully i have well okay not respectfully i i don't think that he should be anywhere near a senior management role so um honestly i'm quite disgusted by the way raw have gone about their business leading up to this but i understand that there's a lot of contention at perth as well so the game for me look i kind of just want to let it go by casually yeah one one draw okay okay um so we got some other really interesting games actually this week cody i'm going to bring you in a moment um to talk a little bit about the pride round stuff because you actually did uh did a really good piece on it uh this week on the website but um really briefly touch on melbourne city sydney fc uh, tomorrow, at the same time, we've got Newcastle Jets and Western United. I think, obviously, the, the eye-catching game there is City and Sydney FC. Um, Antonis, I'll bring you in. Um, what's what's your read on this? Because Sydney, I mean, they were kind of halted in their, I guess, their, you know, the Steve Cargo redemption arc that, that Matt said um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, you know, with, with the draw against Brisbane. But they've got a real big chance to, I guess, make a big statement against, uh, against, the, against the benchmark. Yeah, I think, unfortunately for them, the benchmark just got done by bottom of the table that is their rivals, and they're going to be very, very keen to bounce back. Um, Sydney FC are kind of like, you know, in that purgatory in the middle of nowhere. I guess you're not awful enough to be down the bottom of the ladder, and you're not good enough to be competing for silverware in my eyes. And, yeah, it's just very frustrating for them. I think most of the A-League clubs have been there. Most of us know how it feels to be there even for a specific amount of time. I can't see them unless something tragically went wrong for um, City against victory and it just the season collapsed, which is not going to happen because they're one of the better sides we've seen in A-League's history. I can see City doing this quite comfortably by a couple of goals too. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, yeah, I tend to agree. And then the Jets and West United, I think that's a really good opportunity. The Jets have the Jets have been playing some really good stuff, actually, and they're and they're doing much better. I think they've found some some um 
yeah, just some just some minor changes in their in their team, which which have helped them. And I think uh, that's a really winnable game for them as well. And I think they will get it done at home against West United. Wanderers at MacArthur um, um, tonight, which is which is a really interesting game. Yeah, interesting to see Layuni uh, again because obviously he scored a really really nice goal. I thought uh, to equalise for the Wanderers against Adelaide, and it'll be interesting to see how uh, how he goes uh, again. Okay, Cody, um, this final game, victory and Adelaide United, of course. The I guess the the actual result and the game itself is kind of secondary because it's it's the headline game for the for the Pride Cup for the Pride Round uh, this week. I guess give us a little bit of an insight into your article this week on the website. Um, go check it out, frontpagefootball.net, um, on on the Pride Round, and I guess kind of what the APL has been doing to to kind of make sure this is you know going to go and run a lot. Uh, smoother than I guess some other some other sporting codes around the country who have tried to implement these uh, these pride rounds. Look, the most important thing I think that can come out of this is visibility. Um, the APL actually put out a very good video talking about um, changing the way we talk just in general in society, and they're starting with those in the A League and making sure any terminology that can be considered offensive to the LGBTQIA plus community is not not slowly eradicated, hopefully fully eradicated in sport. But as much as it probably is going to be a slow process, but the biggest thing the APL have done in this is making sure that all players, staff and executives are mm. undergoing diversity training to make sure that uh, something like that can occur. And it's been going on for the last 18 months. So there is long term planning for simply one weekend, but it's hopefully going to be one weekend that will have a long lasting legacy. And this is hopefully something that's going to continue season on season. And I'm sure we've all seen the stick that the APL got, especially as people in the NRL started to do it, people in the NBL started to do it, started to implement these pride rounds where the APL were kind of sit on the back scene, considering the A-League men's is one of the only male professional sporting competitions in Australia that has a gay, a gay athlete. Mm. It's very surprising that there wasn't it being anything done in that regard, which obviously we were saying as there were things being done behind the scenes, but to see how it's... Things have occurred in the NRO with the Manly Seven. Um, the actions of them, in my opinion, are very, very silly, um, to put it lightly. And then in the NBL, obviously, a club, uh, Kansas Taipans, I believe. I'm not familiar yeah. with the yeah, NBL. Taipans, yeah. um, backed out of doing it because they were scared of the backlash. And it shows, if anything, it show- that incident there shows why this is so important because there's still those people that are so vehemently uh, against it that they're going to attack a club for simply just trying to show support to a community that faces prejudice every day. So for a community like that to be trying to scream discrimination themselves is, and I'm not going to mince my words here, it's fucking stupid, it's disgusting, and it needs to stop. So so I'm glad that the APL has really taken a stance where it's not just going to be about doing it to virtue signal, it's not just going to be about doing it for the sake of doing a ticket checkbox, they're doing it to actually make a positive change not just in sport but and i use this exact phrase in the article sport is a microcosm for the wider society so changing the way we talk in sport will hopefully change the way people involved in that sport are going to then go about their daily lives in society so hopefully this is actually gonna even if it's a small step it's still a positive step to hopefully bring about a world where these people aren't facing prejudice every day. And look, I write this article as a cis man. So in a way, I may not be the best person to talk about these issues, but look, I know you've put the call out for new new writers. 
if any female or non-binary writers are out there and they want to join us, by all means, please, we, we'd love to have you on. Yeah. No, really, really well said, Cody. Uh, and it was a great piece. Great piece as well. Um, yeah. Uh, so the game itself, um, we'll just we'll just finish with that because I am I am mindful of time. Um, Antonis, I'll bring you in for this, obviously, given that it is an Adelaide United fixture. That's, that's pretty obvious. Um, and yeah, it's... Adelaide should have won last week. They played a lot better. Victory did win, and they look like they're doing a lot better um, and maybe on a little bit of resurgence. So it's actually kind of an important game for both teams. Um, so how do, you, how do you see it? Yeah, um, just hoping for a better game than the last time these two played each other. They were both mm. shocking the last time they played each other. A game rescued by a couple of very good goals. Um, a draw was a fair result because there wasn't much to either side. Even the victory should have won at the end. That's just part of the point. But yeah, just hoping for a good game. I do have a feeling that Adelaide may pip it at the end. I reckon Craig Goodwin is due for a goal. And when he scores them, they're usually decisive. So I'm going to back Adelaide 2-1. Has has Carl? Let's see if Carl tomorrow, um, in his in his pre match or, or today, sorry, by the time this goes up, uh, says that he expects Hiroshi Ibasuki to score because he said that last week and then he actually scored twice uh, the next day. So maybe uh, yeah. it just needs Carl to say it in the press conference. And shout out to Craig for actually helping him with that because yeah, yeah. if I was Craig Goodwin, you know, I've been the captain of the team. I'm pretty confident in my penalties. So if I yeah. him to trust his teammate to break his goal drought, it was very reminiscent of the 2015-16 season when the penalty was given to Bruce Jitte to break his goal right in Brisbane. And, you know, he couldn't stop scoring for the rest of the season. So, mm. good to see. So, signs of a good off-field chemistry and on-field chemistry. Let's um, let's wrap up this, uh, this podcast. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as well. And, and TikTok. And TikTok. Go, go check it all out. Um, yeah, all the guys are doing great stuff at the moment. So, uh, yeah. As uh, as for this episode of the mini, that uh, that will conclude it. And uh, yeah, enjoy enjoy the Saturday and Sunday uh, A League's action.